2: After I was promoted to Paladin and I would moved on to my own squad, I received word that Krieg was killed at Adams Air Force Base. The news was like being kicked in the stomach. I mean, I'd lost some of my brothers and sisters before, but his death... Well, it really got to me. It's taken me a long time to realize it. But the reason Krieg was so tough on me is the same reason I'm so tough on you. It's because I believe in you. And I don't want to see any of your potential go to waste.
1: We all tend to operate with a mental understanding of ourselves that is often very different than the way other people see us. We create this image of ourselves, a picture, where we tend to be the hero of our own story. Sure, we have our doubts and our fears and those kinds of things, but we also have a certain understanding of who we are deep down inside, who we want to be, who we would envision ourselves to be. We tell ourselves a story of basically who we see ourselves as. What things we believe in, where our spaces in the universe, our background, our histories, where we come from, what we believe as a human being, as a patriot, as a member of our community, as a man or a woman or whatever gender you identify yourself with. We have a whole set of things that we collect over time and we kind of decorate around this idea of ourselves. Many of the things that we hold dearest are things that we tie to our identity. A lot of people believe in themselves and believe that they them, they themselves are representative of the things that they also believe in external to themselves. This is a reason why things like religion and patriotism tie so, so deeply into our personal identity. Because when you debate something like religion or something like politics, you're not just debating an idea that's out there in the distance, separated from us as individuals. The reason why these subjects are so touchy is because bringing these things up during the dinner table at Thanksgiving is really just touching on the very things that most of us see as something fundamental about ourselves as well. We tend to tie the foundation of who we are to the things we believe and the way those things affect us. It's this loop. It ties back. Today's episode is about Paladin Dance, and I brought this up on an episode a number of months ago. I had a wonderful question from one of our patrons asking about my perception on a decision that Maxon made when dealing with dance, and if you're not familiar with this, Paladin Dance is from Fallout 4. He is a Brotherhood of Steel paladin. He is a good soldier He is a good man. He is the kind of person who makes moral decisions, whose decisions deeply affect the kind of person that he wants to be, the kind of actions he wants to take in the world. Paladin Dance strives to do and be the very things in this world that he believes are right. And as a companion, he pushes your character to do the same. So, why are we coming back around to Paladin Dance? Well, because I have a question I'd like to pose. And I think you guys enjoy these questions too. I I get a sense that in looking at Fallout, the stories, the characters, the situations, you seem to really resonate with bringing these back around to ourselves. And most of you know the story of Paladin Dance. Paladin Dance comes to find out that the foundation of his very existence is shaken because he's not actually a human after all. He's a missing synth from the Institute who doesn't realize it. So let's dig into the fandom.com wiki article here to give you a little bit of foundation if you are not familiar with some of the events of Fallout 4 and what happens in this situation with the Brotherhood. So Paladin Dance is a unit designated M7 97, registration DN 407P, and is the commanding officer of the Brotherhood of Steel unit known as. The Recon Squad Gladius, deployed to the Commonwealth in 2287. He's also a, like I mentioned before, a possible companion. Dance's earliest memories are of growing up as an orphan living in the capital wasteland. And as a child, he made a dangerous living by scavenging the DC ruins until he could afford to open his own junk stand in Rivet City. It was at that time he befriended a man named Cutler. And together the two scraped by as traitors. That was his first brotherhood. This guy Cutler. When the Brotherhood of Steel began recruiting, Dance and Cutler agreed it was, quote, "the best way out of their nowhere lives." Under the command of Paladin Krieg, they both became successful soldiers, but a year after being posted to the Pridewind Cutler disappeared on assignment. Dance spearheaded a three-week search for the missing squad that ultimately led to a super mutant hive. There it was revealed that Cutler's team had been killed, and Cutler himself had been exposed to the forced evolutionary virus. And if you've been listening to the show, you know what that means. Dance... Saddened to discover his friend had been mutated, killed, Cutler. The experience incited an intense hatred in Dance of Most Non-Humans, including supermutant ghouls and synths. This situation burned a specific response in Paladin Dance's psyche. These are the kinds of situations that define us. By the year 2287, Dance had risen to become one of Arthur Maxon's most respected officers. He was assigned a reconnaissance team and dispatched to the Commonwealth to investigate the Institute itself. But misfortune quickly reduced their force to three survivors. When the sole survivor first encounters Paladin Dance, He and what's left of his squad are holed up in the Cambridge police station, unable to proceed with their mission. Dance enlists the aid of the survivor to help retrieve an item from the nearby Arcjet Systems complex. Afterward, he offers the survivor the rank of initiate in the Brotherhood of Steel, should they wish to join. So after the quest line of Shadow of Steel, Dance becomes a full companion, assuming that your character enlists in the Brotherhood. Now, one of the things you find out at this point is that he is fiercely loyal to the order and travels with the survivor, with you, to ensure that their ideals are being upheld. Again, moral compass, very specifically doing what he believes to be, is right, what is right. As your relationship develops with Dance, he confesses to being burdened by the losses of these colleagues and friends and mentors, killed by the many horrors of the wasteland. Unwilling to let their sacrifice be for naught, he asserts that the Institute and its synths must be eradicated for the safety of mankind. He believes that synths are the embodiment of technology spiraling out of control. And their existence could bring about the end of humanity. Now, as the main story progresses, you have the opportunity to hack the Institute's mainframe. And should you provide the Brotherhood with a copy of the data, it is then confirmed through DNA analysis that Paladin Dance himself is a missing synth. Dance goes AWOL. And flees to listening post-Bravo. Outraged by the apparent infiltration of his inner circle, Elder Maxon orders the survivor to track Dance down and execute him. And what happens after that is up to you. And we have addressed that on the previous episode because the question was, if you side with Dance, why does Maxon allow him to live? So go back and listen to that episode. It's, it's several months back on the list if you haven't been listening to these in order. But if you have, then you'll hear my response and my perspective on, on the situation that happens there. Now, the question I'm posing this time isn't from the perspective of Maxon, because that was the question before. In Maxon's situation, why would he allow Dance to live with the beliefs and the mission that he has? That was the initial question. I want to turn this around. I want to put you in the shoes of Paladin dance. So I'll pose this question. Have you ever in your life been in a situation where you realized that something you profoundly believed in that affect your own identity about yourself was false? Dealing with this kind of information puts you in a state of what is called cognitive dissonance. The idea that two ideas are conflicting in your head and creating tension between the two. I believe that this is a very, very healthy thing to deal with. It's the sort of thing that helps us define ourselves and helps us deal with inconsistencies in our own thoughts and beliefs, and they are there by default. We, as human beings, are very, very good at sectioning off our lives, our own ideas of ourselves into lots of different categories that when you pair them up, they become contradictory. So, for example, many of us ascribe to moral beliefs, whether they're religious or not, that Murder is always bad. And I think most of us can agree to that. In general, murder always bad. It is never in any human's right to actually take away existence from another human based on their own decision. We have a right to defend ourselves, but to actually intentionally murder someone else? is off the table. Most of us would agree to that. It is a fundamental precept to having a society that functions. This idea that each of us has the freedom to make our decisions as long as those decisions don't encroach on the lives of other people on that very fundamental level of just existence at all. But how many of us, when we pull ourselves out of the mindset of morality or religion, and we put ourselves in the mindset of Other things we care about, our families, our community, our nations, will just as quickly support the
2: idea that we need to go to war, that war can be justified, that we as a
1: nation can sanction mass murder against soldiers from another nation. How are these two things compatible? It's because the context is different, but when you put them right up against each other, if you believe that all murder is bad and murder on a scale between nations is allowed, those two things don't coexist, they they, they don't work together, either one or the other actually works. There's conflict between those two ideas. This is cognitive dissonance and this happens especially when when it's on the individual level of beliefs that are fundamental to who we are, who we believe ourselves to be. And it is my belief that dealing with cognitive dissonance is a healthy thing. We need to put ourselves in situations where we genuinely have to understand who we really are. And we have to face it head on. And we can't just say Oh, well, that's what I believe over here when I'm thinking morally, but I don't really believe it over here when I'm thinking politically. The two should coincide. And we can't just brush things away through definition. Well, war isn't the same thing as murder. Those are different definitions. No, you're just playing with language. Killing another individual is murder, regardless of the situation you do it in. Both are murder. Let's not play the language game. So, the question I ask you is Is there and has there been a situation in your lives where you found out that something truly fundamental about yourself wasn't actually true? I went through a period of time where I believed that I could will myself to be morally more ethical than most of the people around me. And we go through these periods in our lives, especially when we're teenagers, where we're trying to figure ourselves out, right? And there was part of me that was genuinely bothered by the kinds of things that other teenagers around me would do because I saw that inconsistency. They would get mad when somebody was inconsistent or was breaking some sort of moral boundary. And then justify it for themselves right away in some other context. Oh, so-and-so is an idiot. They get drunk on the weekends and they do terrible things. Ha ha ha. I had a crazy party last weekend. I got drunk and I did terrible things. But you can't chide one person for that and then not hold yourself accountable to it also. I mean, you can, but it's not exactly consistent now, is it? So I... I went through a a period where I believed that in some ways I was able to will myself to be more morally consistent than most other human beings. But of course, you know, you get up on a high horse and then you fall down. And I went through another period of my life where I realized that, guess what? That's not true. I have my vices as well. I was just blind to them. I was not able to see myself for who I really was. There's something fundamental about being able to admit to ourselves who we are. So if you were in Paladin Dance's shoes, and you found out that you were the very thing
2: that you hated the most,
1: how would you handle that? Some people can't. Some people can't take that kind of information and adjust. They just stop functioning. Or they commit suicide. They just break down and can't get their minds around this idea that they are something that they believed they weren't. And this has happened before in the real world. There are plenty of cases where individuals... In, say, our country, who tend to be, you know, some groups of people in our country tend to be more racially charged than others, we'll say, racist in their beliefs and those kinds of things. But due to DNA evidence, we can trace back who our ancestors were. And there are plenty of us who may have believed that we were of a specific racial bloodline that was pure. And when we look at our DNA, we find out that no, no. Not so much. We're mixed up. A lot of us have a lot of variety. Not just cultural variety, but different what what society calls racial variety. And that term race is is really strange when it comes to humans. We have way more in common with people who have just different skin colors than we think we do. The problem is that different skin colors look very different. But in actuality, we're really, really similar. And when people find out that, guess what? Your great-great-grandfather was a different race, quote-unquote, than who you think you are. Some people can't handle that. Or they deny it. They question the science. Oh, the, the DNA test must be wrong. That's how they handle cognitive dissonance is by trying to redefine the reality of the world they live in. That is not healthy. We need to get to a place where we can look at the truth of the situation, and learn to adjust to it.
2: Hello there, old chat. another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them.
1: Why don't we ask the newcomer? You support the news? Wastelanders, Vault Dwellers, welcome back to the show. This is your host, Tama Robots, and thank you for tuning in once again to an episode of the Fallout Lorecast. I'm always happy to have you guys here, and I always love to hear your feedback. I got some really great feedback about the Vault 81 episode, and I can't wait to find out what you would do if you went through a situation like Paladin Dance. I like to throw these ideas out there and challenge you guys because I think they're really interesting, and I hope you do too. So, this week, uh, before you go anywhere, if you're not going to hang out for the whole rest of the, you know, housekeeping stuff, uh, do remember that we are continuing the Choose Your Own Adventure story at the end of the episode. And, and, and I mentioned this last week, I believe, uh, I've been doing more streaming on twitch.tv slash robots and we've been having a blast. The, the channel continues to grow. I've actually I've played some Fallout, but I've also been playing Hunt Showdown. Have you guys seen this game? It's really, really intense. I've got some really crazy clips of me freaking out and doing uh, some sometimes shooting people in the head and sometimes getting shot in the head. So that's been a lot of fun. So go check that out if you are interested. Otherwise, let's move on to our reviews on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. I guess I got to get in the habit of calling it Apple Podcasts. So if you are looking to help support the show in one of the simplest ways you possibly can, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts would be amazing or whatever podcatcher you happen to be using. We've got two new ones this week, both from the United States. First up, we have the Hogan 548 who writes in The Best Fallout Podcast. Wow, that is high praise. Five stars. This is the best Fallout podcast available. This is like listening to Oxhorn, but he interacts with us. <laughs> Oxhorn's really good. I really enjoy his stuff, too. If you're interested in Fallout lore in general, then this is the podcast for you. He talks about everything from the Great War all the way down to an in-depth explanation of the Enclave's history. If you like Fallout, this is the podcast for you. Well, thank you, The Hogan. I do appreciate the high praise. Thank you so much. We also have Choice Man 2 who writes, love it! Exclamation mark. Five stars. I'm a huge Fallout nerd and love this podcast. Very interesting to get the entire story of the Great War and the lore behind factions. So thank you so much, Choice Man, Hogan. And if you would like to get your message read out on the show, then drop me a review with some text in, in with the review. You can always just rate it, but drop me a review with some words and I will read it out if it's a five star review. So thank you so much. Otherwise, if you are looking for other ways to help support the show, just being involved Helps you guys jumping on the discord chatting with me. I love that's the reason I started the show was in order to be able to interact with more of you and more of people, more of more of my tribe, people who love these games and love talking about these concepts and just, you know, be involved is, is really all I ask. Bring some friends along, tell them that you enjoy the show, you enjoy the community. Uh, all of that is extremely helpful. Um, Otherwise, if you want to get even more involved, then being a patron on patreon.com slash falloutlorecast is the other thing you can do for just $1 a month, $1 a month. That's like 25 cents an episode. You can be a patron, get an ad free version of the show and start getting some of the fun rewards and stuff that we have on the Patreon. We are almost at our $200 a month uh, stretch goal, which means I will be giving away some merch and stuff to one of our patrons so if you'd like to get in on that before we hit that goal now's the time also we're man time moves by we're already moving through the month of september as we get closer to the end of the month we will have another patron call with our tier four and higher patrons so if you'd like to be involved with that and actually get on the show to talk about some really cool fallout stuff then that's the way to do it And speaking of new tier four patrons, Ryuko has upgraded from a tier two to a tier four patron. So Ryuko, you will be joining us at the end of this month for our chat. I look forward to it and I enjoy seeing you in the discord and on the Twitch stream. So thank you so much for being a active participant in the community. All of you guys are awesome. I, I really cannot express, and I I know I gush over you guys all the time, but I really cannot express how involved this community is and how amazing all of you guys are, because it, this has gone way beyond any expectations I had when I started the show. So you guys are amazing. The other thing you can do on Patreon dot com is chime in with suggestions for what happens at the end of the episode when we do our choose your own adventure. So this week we'll be continuing on with the adventure and until next week. I look forward to hearing from you guys in the discord and, you know, shooting me an email or wherever there's info at the end of the show about how to reach me on Twitter and Twitch and all sorts of other places. So you guys know what to do with all that. I will see you again next week. And until next week, try to be honest with yourself. If you're a synth, I guess that's my advice. All right. I'll see you guys later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the fallout Lorecast. So you decide that you don't really have too much of a choice. And you head out on your travels. But you've negotiated some equipment for your trip. You've got your Institute laser rifle. And you were able to get that shotgun and some ammo for your friend searching for the pipes. You also were able to pick up A sidearm for each of you, a scoped pistol, 45 caliber pistol, hoping that maybe you could take out some of these robots from a distance before you get there. Before you left, the guy at
2: the shop gave you some last advice. He said, head due west towards the smokestacks
1: and stick to the trees. Don't go down the main road. The robots have an easier time navigating the old roadways and the flat land. But the trees and bushes are where they're, they're going to avoid. So follow the tree line until you can see the fence around the property. And that's where things are going to get tough.
2: So you do as he says. You head out on this
1: search, trying to capture a robot Spring back. You know that it needs to be functioning in order to be useful, but it can be repaired. So you've planned it out a little bit. You guys will take some shots from a distance if you can find a robot on its own and attempt to blow the legs out from underneath it. Hopefully you'll find a Protectron walking around. You can knock it to the ground. And once it's down, your friend thinks that he could probably disconnect some of the circuits to turn off the power so you can drag it back to the shop. Now all of this depends on being able to find a single robot on its own and not drawing too much attention to yourselves. So you get to the edge
2: of the tree line. And sure enough, you can see
1: a large fence, mostly intact still with some barbed wire along the top. Now, what you didn't expect is that the robots themselves had made some improvements to this fence. About every 20 yards down the length of this fence, which appears to circle the entire complex there appears to be some sort of gun turret set up up high on the fences. And patrolling around the perimeter over and over and over again are a series of protectrons.
2: They're fairly well divided apart,
1: and as you watch, you give it time, and you can see that every so often a singular robot will march by. But you gather that you're within range of about two to three of these turrets. If you were to open fire on this robot, chances are those turrets would start shooting your direction as well. You have some trees. You have your firearms. You've got a robot in front of you
2: and some turrets to deal with. What do you do?